0: thanks guys give your family Easter hug everybody well keep your distance though six feet six feet good morning everybody God bless you and welcome to our service online if you are joining us um, online for the first time we well, I wish we had a special gift to give you, but uh, we'll give you the gift of God's Word and um, an air high five, an air hug, okay? And God's richest blessing to you. Um, do you realize that it has been over a hundred thousand Sundays since Jesus Christ rose from the dead? That's a lot of Sundays. Are you uh, one of those who tend to lose your interest after a while when it seems to be the same old thing and the same old thing? And I'm afraid that uh, we can approach Easter with the same attitude that it is just life as usual. When his resurrection points to a greater reality, that He is coming again. And that's what we want to look at this morning, that He is coming again. And if someone could get me a bottle of water because I took it off here and I don't know where I put it. This is the day, the most holy day, thanks, sweetie, of our shared faith. It's Resurrection Sunday. Um, We have eyewitness accounts. We have at least nine extra-biblical sources that radically, and we have the radically changed lives of many, many people that prove to us that what we believe is an undeniable fact, that the resurrection of Jesus Christ did indeed happen. It's the most important event of our Christian faith. Paul said that if he didn't rise from the dead, then our faith is in vain. In other words, it's empty, it's meaningless, and we've had a hundred thousand Sundays of why are we doing this? But the foundation of our faith hinges on the truth of the account that Jesus Christ did come back to life. And so that, um, that hinge, that pivot point, brings me to 40 days later, after He has risen from the dead. And I want us to look at what happened 40 days later, and perhaps regain the wonder of what it is to serve and to worship the true and the living God got to remember that we are in a space-time continuum where um, days and hours and weeks and months and years are are measurable to us. But in God's dimensions, um, it tells us in the Bible that a thousand years is as a day, and a day is as a thousand years. And that being said, He's only been gone for a couple of days. So be patient. His return could be very, 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 very soon, and I believe it is. Now, we are going to take our text today from Acts chapter 1, verses 6 through 11. And this is 40 days after the resurrection has occurred. Jesus is walking leisurely with the apostles across the Kidron Valley and up the slope to the Mount of Olives. And when they came to the brow of the hill to the top of the mount, he stops. And we pick up the conversation here in verse 6 of Acts chapter 1. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it's not for you to know times or seasons which the father has put in his own authority. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. It's tempting to uh, start a study right there in that verse, right? But I'll stick to text. Then verse 9. And when he had spoken these things while they watched, he was taken up and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel. Who also said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? The same Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will so come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. All right, let's pray. Father I'm going to seek to rightly divide the word of truth here and I pray that you would anoint it and pray that your Holy Spirit would be the one who is actually speaking here help me to hide behind the cross as it were not seeking to put my own agenda out there Father but you would put yours and that you would draw men to you and that you would save souls and that you would encourage and encourage those who, who know you And I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. What we want to look at this morning is this phrase that Jesus has been taken from you into heaven and will so come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. Look at uh, in verse 11 again, and let me read you um, how the Amplified Version renders this. This same Jesus who was caught away and lifted up from among you into heaven will return in just the same way in which you saw him go into heaven. So the first point that I want to make to you, that is he is coming again. He came once, it's coming again. The angel just said it. Jesus said it about a month earlier in the upper room. John 14 verse 3. If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And then in Hebrews 9.28, the writer affirms this too. It says, Christ died once for all time as a sacrifice to take away the sins of many people. He will come again, not to deal with our sins, but to bring salvation to all who are eagerly waiting for him." How many does that describe? Are you eagerly waiting for the Lord to return? Or do you got some things that you want to accomplish and do? The Apostle John affirmed this in 1 John 3:2. He said, Dear friends, we are already God's children but he has not yet shown us what we will be like when Christ appears. But we do know that we will be like him, for we shall see him as he really is. And all who have this eager expectation will keep themselves pure just as he is pure. So, understand that what we're talking about here is not the rapture of the church, the great snatching away. Okay, that. That is a different kind of coming of the Lord, but we will meet with him in the air when that happens. And you can read about that in First Thessalonians chapter 4. What we are talking about is the second coming of Christ or what's known as the second advent of Christ at the end of the age. And I think my personal conviction is that we're getting close. We see the signs all throughout scripture Prophecies being fulfilled, and it gets me excited because I know that before he returns, we get to be snatched away to be with him. Now, <clears throat> what I want to talk about this morning is the manner in which we will see Jesus come. In verse 11, Acts chapter 1, verse 11, there are two distinctive, distinguishing characteristics of his second coming. In Acts one eleven, uh, the angel says, this same Jesus. What's that about? Well, he left bodily and he's coming back bodily, humanly, visibly. Jesus, the man, is returning. You know that God the Father is pure spirit, right? That's what Jesus said in John 4.24. And we know that God the Holy Spirit is pure spirit. But Jesus is not a spirit. Jesus is a man. How do I know this? Well, turn to 1 Timothy 2 5. Let me share with you how I know this and what difference it makes. 1 Timothy 2 5. For there is one God and one mediator also between God and men, and it is who? The man, Christ Jesus. Okay? It, it, it's kind of amazing that God the, and king and ruler of the universe is going to be a man. I mean, we live in a day when we don't give men much credit for anything, right? But it's going to be a man. But it's not really about gender, it's about a specific person. I want you to notice that in verse 5, the word the, in the phrase, the man, Christ Jesus, is italicized. Do you see that in your Bibles? That means it's not there in the original. That's significant because as um, One commentator said the absence of the definite article before man in the Greek suggests that the better translation is Christ Jesus himself a man. So who is the mediator between God and man? Christ Jesus himself a man. All right, this reminds us that Jesus is still human. Even as he is enthroned in heaven right now, his humanity is not merely a temporary phase. When the eternal Son, the second person of the Trinity, added humanity to his deity, he added it forever, not just for 33 years. It's like when you go to the tattoo parlor, right? And you put that tattoo on, you just put that on forever. It doesn't matter how well they can erase it. It's It's there forever. He has our names tattooed in the palms of his hands for the joy of being with us forever. But still, he is fully God, and he is fully man, and he won't get that tattoo erased ever. His humanity is glorified and resurrected, and this is the pattern of the humanity that we will experience in heaven. He's not yet shown us what we will be like. Isn't that what 1 John just said? But when he appears, we know that we will be like him. He's a man, and when he comes, he will be the man, Christ Jesus, a body, a human being. Okay, you might be thinking, all right, you know, uh, Jan, why are you camping on this? Well, first of all, it, it, it is the man, Christ Jesus, that I want to see. I'm sure the spiritual manifestation of the Godhead is incredible, but I'm not so sure I can wrap my arms around it. It's not enough that his spirit is in my heart. It's not enough that I have letters from him in the word of God. I want more. Remember the, the Greeks, they came to Jesus on the Mount of Olives, and they asked the disciples, sirs, we would see Jesus. We want to see Jesus. And that's what my heart longs for. Same cry of the Greeks. I want to see them. 1 John 1 1. Why don't you turn there real quick? 1 John 1 1. Head to the book of Revelation. Make a quick left. 1 John 1 1. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and our hands have handled concerning the word of life. Now immediately you understand that the word of life is Jesus Christ. And he's talking about physically seeing him and handling him. There came a time when John realized that Listening to Jesus talk, he's listening to God talk. When he's got his hand on Jesus' shoulder, that he's got his hand on the very, very God. John got to hang out with Jesus, the God-man. And like John, I want to audibly hear, physically see, intently studying gaze upon Jesus. I want to tangibly touch, and I want to embrace him and be embraced by him. Not metaphorically, but in reality. Some of you will remember the the chorus that we used to sing at Calvary, open my eyes, Lord. I want to see Jesus, to reach out and touch him and to say that I love him. Yeah, well I wanna do that more than just sitting in the chair with my arms raised, that's good but actually touching is better. I want to see Jesus himself, and the scriptures emphasize and assert and assure me that in no uncertain terms, it is Jesus I shall see the man. Now, you might be surprised to learn it, how many people blow this off and make it something different, so much less than. There are those who say that he came Back He returned when we were converted. In other words, when you get converted, that's the return of Christ. When you get born again and you became a Christian. If that's the return of Christ, that sure leaves me wanting, okay? I mean, I love y'all, but it's not the same thing. Some say that Christ Jesus returned when Pentecost saw the gift of the Holy Spirit That Jesus came at Pentecost, and that was the fulfillment of Scripture of his promised coming. Well, okay, that's cool. I can dig the power. I appreciate the comforter and all that the Holy Spirit brings to my life here on this earth, but is that it? Is this experience that I have been experiencing for the last 40 years of being a Christian, is that it? I want more. And there are others who say that he comes in death when we die. That that's the return of the Lord Jesus. Well, that's comforting, but but still, come on. That's it? Then there are some who say that he came back in 70 A.D. when Titus destroyed the temple. So if he came back in 70 A.D., where is he right now in 2020 A.D.? And then there are others who say that he comes in modern civilization. They write things saying that Jesus came in the tremendous technological and scientific advancements of the 19th century. No wonder I'm so confused and tech challenged, you know. And then there are those who believed he came invisibly in 1914, and he's hanging out in a building somewhere in Brooklyn. I don't know. Are they keeping him locked in a closet or something? I don't know. I'm surprised that so many deny the physical, bodily return of Christ, but rather hold that his return is more in a manner of a movement. For example, American theologian Shaler Matthews, head of the University of Chicago's Divinity School, in his book, Will Christ Come Again, wrote this, To bring Christ into the control of human affairs is the real coming of the kingdom of God on earth. This is what the pictures and the apocalyptic symbols used by the early Christians really meant. This is the real coming of Christ. If we can get Jesus into the political process And if we can get him into the United Nations, and if we can get him into the cultural and social structure of the nations of the earth, that is the true coming of the Lord Jesus. I think AOC might have something to say about this. Dr. W.A. Criswell um, said, it seems to me that they have so spiritualized him into a phantom so allegorized him into fancy and fiction and allegory. They have so diffused him in history. They have so confounded him in death that I hear the Lord Jesus standing before us today saying, and he's quoting Luke 24, 39 here, Behold my hands and my feet, that it is myself. Handle me and see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. In other words, they have spiritualized him into non-existence. The Apostle John had a few words for those who spout such ideas. Go to 1 John chapter 2. 1 John chapter 2. Little children... It's 1 John 2.18. Little children, it is the last hour. And as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have come, by which we know that it's the last hour. Now pop over to chapter 1 and look at verse 7. For many deceivers have gone out into the world who do not confess Jesus Christ as coming in the flesh this is a deceiver and an antichrist. Antichrist uh, here in John's references in verse 2 or chapter 2 verse 18 and 1 verse 7 is not the 666 guy, okay? But one that is part of his schemes. An antichrist is an instead of Christ, getting you to 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 believe in, in what you think is the right Jesus but it's not the same person at all. And today as I stand here I want to declare to you by the authority of God's word that Jesus is God and that Jesus is a man. He is fully God and he is fully human. And when he returns it will be the man Jesus Christ the same Lord Jesus who went away, who was returning to earth and to us. All right, that's point number one. Let's go to point number two, the second characteristic in Acts one eleven. if you want to turn back there. The second characteristic of his second coming is that he's coming phenomenally. What do I mean by that? You can look at the slide behind me. It says, he is coming in a great, great, tremendous display of heavenly phenomenon, an indescribable appearance. What did the angels say? This same Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will so come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven in the clouds. I don't know what it would have been like to stand there to watch Jesus ascend. And I think I would have been like them. I'd have been staring off into space for a long time, wondering if what went up is going to come down. Well, it is coming down. We saw Jesus leave in the clouds, and we're going to see him return in the clouds. And that is the phenomenon that I want to share about. Revelation 1-7, everybody. Revelation 1-7. If you go to the maps, you've gone too far. Revelation 1-7. Behold, he is coming with clouds. That's right. And every eye will see him, even they who pierced him. And all the tribes of the earth will mourn because of him. Even so. Amen. Now turn to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 24, verses 29 and 30. Matthew 24, verses 29 and 30. Immediately, and this is Jesus, by the way, talking about his second coming when he would return. And the signs, he says, immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened, the moon will not give its light, the stars will fall from heaven, and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in heaven, and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory." Now I want to share this is for free. This is an aside. Um, About 25 years ago at a pastor's conference up in Twin Peaks, I was sitting next to Greg Laurie, and Raul Reese was speaking, and he was quoting this verse, verse 30, Matthew 24:30. And the crowd was just cracking up, laughing. And Greg leans over to me and asks, "What did Rawl say?" And I told him that the Son of Man is coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. That's what Rawl said. He chuckled. There are several prophetic passages like Matthew twenty-four twenty-nine describing cosmic disturbance that will precede and surround the return of Jesus, like Joel two ten, ten, Revelation six, twelve, and Isaiah thirty-four, four. And cryptically, Jesus says that the sign of the Son of Man will appear in heaven. Well, what's the sign of the Son of Man? Well, it's it's difficult to say exactly what the sign is and I, I wouldn't get dogmatic about it. I mean perhaps um, it's related to the cosmic disturbances that will precede this. Okay uh, many of the ancient fathers said that the sign of the appearing and the coming of the immediate presence of the son of God that that sign would be a burning cross in the sky. There are others of those ancient fathers who said the sign of the coming of Christ will be a reappearance of the advent of bethlehem star the star that led the wise men to bethlehem or perhaps it's going to be a sun supernova our sun super supernova i'll get it out don't worry or our galaxy colliding with another galaxy that announces the coming of the son of god but my opinion and this is my opinion and it's not that you asked for it either okay but I think the sign of the Son of God's preceding his appearance and his descent and glory is described in Acts nine, A cloud received him out of their sight. And then in verse 11, when the angel said, the same Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will so come in like manner. So I think that the sign of the Son of God that precedes his appearance is this Cloud of heaven with power and glory. We saw it in, in Revelation 1 7, right? We just talked about that. We saw it in Matthew 24, 29, and 30. Uh, look at it in Daniel chapter uh, 7. Turn in your Bibles to Daniel chapter 7. Daniel 7.13 I was watching in the night visions and behold one like the Son of Man coming with the clouds of heaven. He came to the Ancient of Days and they brought him near before him. Then to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all people's nations and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away, and his kingdom, the one which shall not be destroyed. This is talking about Jesus' second coming, right? And he is coming, according to verse 13, with the clouds of heaven. So what is certain is that when the Lord comes again, just as he left, he's coming with clouds. The clouds are a part of it. Now, it seems pedantic, but my question is, what kind of a cloud is he talking about? Is it a rain cloud? I mean, isn't that what you think about when you saw the clouds? You know, it's made out of moisture and and rain droplets, water droplets. Is it a cumulus nimbus cloud? Is it a haboob formed by dust cloud? Is it an emission nebula? You know what that is? That's a, a cloud from space of hot glowing gas and dust. What kind of cloud? I think the cloud is the Shekinah glory of God. It is the cloud of the glorious brilliance of the presence of God. Remember, um, in Exodus 13, in the days of the wilderness wandering, the children of Israel were guided by what? A pillar of cloud and a pillar of fire. That's the Shekinah glory, the presence of God, the cloud. When Moses was on Mount Sinai, there was thunder and there was lightning and there was smoke and there was a cloud, right? And what did the people do? They just got, they were overwhelmed and they backed off. And that was the Shekinah presence of God, the power and the glory of the Lord. And you remember as we just studied the Holy of Holies, the, the sanctum sanctorium, where the Ark of the Covenant rested and on the Ark's mercy seat, there was the Shekinah glory in the presence of God in a cloud. Turn to Ezekiel, I'm sorry, Exodus 40, chapter 34. Exodus 40, verse 34. Then the cloud What cloud? The Shekinah glory of God. Covered the tabernacle of meeting. Now this is the, by the way, let me just back up and tell you that this is now when the, the tabernacle itself was being dedicated to the Lord. They finished building it. They put it all together, okay. And they've had their dedication ceremony. And then the cloud covered the tabernacle of meeting and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. And Moses was not able to enter the tabernacle of meeting because the cloud rested above it. And the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. What was it about the cloud that didn't allow Moses to enter in? Perhaps it was the fear because it's the glory of the Lord. But whatever it was, it was pretty spectacular. Do you remember when Isaiah saw the Lord in in Isaiah 6, high and lifted up? Remember that verse? His train filled the temple and the very foundation of the earth shook and the voice of him spoke. It says, and the temple was filled with smoke, a cloud, the presence of God, the Shekinah glory of the Lord. I think the same thing could be true when the Lord comes. I think... That could be the sign of His coming. The Shekinah glory of God. Dr. Criswell said, Like golden chariots before His feet, the Lord will come preceded by that pillar of cloud and fire and smoke. The glory of the presence of the Lord. And when He comes, the whole world, all heaven above, all earth beneath, When he comes, the whole universe will see him. He is coming openly. He is coming in triumph, in power, in grace, in glory, in grandeur, in the glorious light of the presence of God. I think it's interesting in keeping with this phenomena motif that every eye will see him. Is that what it said in Revelation 1-7? Every eye will see Him. And I take that literally as being at the same time. Now, if we really were a flat earth, then that would be easy to understand, at least in our mind as far as dimensions go. But we live on a sphere. So how could everybody see it at the same time? The physics of it don't match up. Well, of course, you know, we could explain it because we have developed technologically that, you know, with satellite TV and iPhones and texting and all, it could, everybody could see it at the same time. But I'm thinking, and I don't know how this would be accomplished, but I'm thinking that this is literal, that everybody will see Jesus return at the exact same second. When I was growing up in my earth science classes or my physics classes, I was learned that we live in four dimensions. Right, length, height, depth, and time. Does that sound familiar to anybody? Okay, I got one person nodding their head. That's great. And now we live in the day of string theory. You understand string theory, right? Do you understand string cheese theory? Yeah, I understand that too. It opens up the universe in at least 10 dimensions. And I've heard it said from some Bible scholars that as they read through Genesis and, and, and think about the science and the physics that there could have been as many as 15 dimensions. I remember the fifth dimension, right? It's fly away in that beautiful balloon, right? But I, my mind stops at the first four and I'm satisfied, at least now. They say if, in theory, you could master the fifth and sixth dimension, you could travel back in time or go to a different future. And by the time you get to the tenth and the final dimension, you you arrive at a point in which everything is possible and imaginable is covered. Beyond this, nothing can be imagined by us lowly mortals, which makes the natural limitation of what we can conceive in terms of dimensions they say that you can master the fifth and sixth dimensions you could travel back in time and go to different futures didn't i just say that all right what i'm trying to get across is this however dimensions of reality there really are god inhabits all of them and he can shape them to his own will and he can make anything happen he desires What did you tell Sarah? Is anything too hard for God? Is rhetorical? The answer is no, nothing is too hard. So what seems impossible for us to simultaneously see throughout the world, Jesus return with clouds of God's kind of glory is possible with God. And when the Lord comes again, he will come in the beauty and the glory of his resurrected body. And it says, we will be like him. And not only that, we will be with him. We will be returning on those clouds of glory. <laughs> um, you guys can't see her, but my daughter, Heather, is sitting in front of me. I'm sorry, sweetie. I'm going to do this. But when she was just a little girl, we were driving up to Cottonwood, and um, it was a, a particularly clear day and the clouds were very beautiful and she was staring out the side window and she said dad are those clouds of glory and I thought it was precious that my daughter's imagination was stoked by the word of God I thought that was really cool well on these clouds of glory we will return because Jude 1:14 says behold the Lord comes with 10,000 of his saints. All right, let's do a little bit of reflection here. When Jesus came the first time, according to Isaiah 53, he came to be rejected and spit upon and denied and abused and finally slain. But according to Philippians 2, when he comes the second time, he will come to be adored and worshiped by all. It says, every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that he is Lord to the glory of God the Father. The first time he came, according to John ten eighteen, he came to Golgotha to die on a cross at Calvary. When he comes a second time, he'll come to be the Lord and King of God's whole universe. Revelation 19. And just as Jesus came the first time to be despised and rejected, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, according to Isaiah 53, according to Luke 133 and 1 Corinthians 15, so surely will Jesus come the second time to be the Lord and King of our souls of heaven above, of earth beneath, and of the whole creation of God. How can I be so sure about this? Well, that's easy. He rose again. He rose again. He came once, and he's coming again. So I want to close with this and ask the the worship team to come on up, okay? I'm going to give an altar call here. I'm not going to assume that everybody who is is watching this is a believer in Jesus Christ. And this too is one of those things where it loses its power and wonder after repeating it so many times. But Jesus said, come to me all of you who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. I want to offer you the opportunity to find that rest through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. John 1.12 says all who believe him and accept him, he gives the right to become the children of God. John 3.17 says that God sent his son into the world not to judge the world but to save the world through him. There's no judgment against anyone who believes in him But anyone who does not believe in him has already been judged for not believing in God's one and only son. My question to you who have been listening to this sermon and perhaps have been touched by the Spirit of God and you realize he's drawing you is are you ready to believe in him? To accept him? Are you ready to be really a child of God? then realize wanting him and receiving him is hindered only by your running your own life and calling your own shots. And think about it. How's it been working for you? Didn't work so well for me either. I'm gonna paraphrase Romans 3.23. We've compiled a long and sorry record as sinners and proved that we are utterly incapable of living a glorious life that God wills for us. But incredibly, God did it for us. Out of sheer generosity, he put us in right standing with himself. Sound good to you? Do you want to believe this? And are you ready to repent? Repent simply means just to change your mind. Change your mind about how you've been living your life and the resulting long and sorry record. If you're willing to change your mind about Him, then admit it, and God will change your heart. And then your life will change radically. The Bible says in Romans 10, 9, which is especially relevant to this day, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. This is the word of faith that welcomes God to go to work and set things right for you. So two things. Do you believe Jesus actually bodily rose from the dead? Secondly, are you ready to give a welcoming word to him? and declare, Jesus, you're my master. I'm embracing you with all of my heart, my soul, my mind and strength, my life. If you are there and you believe God raised Jesus from the dead and you're willing to give him that welcoming word, then that's it. Not doing anything. You're just simply calling out to God, trusting him to do it for you. That's salvation. With your whole being, you embrace God setting things right. And then you say it right out loud. I receive you as Lord of my life. I believe you are risen from the dead. That's your introduction. So I'm going to pray a prayer. And I'm going to pray it phrase by phrase. And if you want to give your life to Christ, then I invite you to pray this prayer along with me, Okay? Here we go. Dear Lord Jesus, I know I am a sinner. I believe you died for my sins. Right now I turn away from my sin and open the door of my heart and life. I confess you as my personal Lord and Savior. Thank you for saving me. Amen. If you said that prayer, I want to welcome you to God's family. Your life will never be the same. I promise you're in for quite an adventure. And not only that, you'll have heaven too. And not only that, you'll return with Jesus on the Shekinah cloud of glory. If you prayed that prayer then I'm going to ask you to please go to our website ccarrowhead.com and under the contact tab email me at info@ccarrowhead.com at I'd like to send you a free New Testament and some information on how to start your walk with Christ And for the rest of us let me pray Father indeed this day is a glorious day it's a wonderful day We celebrate the resurrection of your son, Jesus Christ. Only you have the power to give life. And only you have the right to take life. And here, your son willingly laid down his life for us. But he didn't come back to life in just a spiritual sense. He came back to life bodily. He came back to life in reality. And we look forward, Father, to the day when he actually returns to this earth in bodily form. Please comfort many, many believers with that fact and that truth. I pray as we wait for that day where we are either brought into your presence through natural causes or we are alive when that spectacular event of the rapture occurs and then return with Jesus Christ as we wait let us be busy about your work in sharing the gospel if anyone said that prayer Father I pray now that you establish them in the faith that you anchor them in your word that you root them in love and I pray for us Father that you would bless us and keep us and make your face to shine on us and be gracious to us And lift up your countenance upon us and give us peace. And I pray those things in Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. See you Wednesday night as we go through Colossians chapter 4.